On May 27, 1936, the RMS Queen Mary set sail on her maiden voyage across the Atlantic Ocean. This would be the first of over a thousand trips for the British Ocean Liner, which had accommodations fit for elite class passengers. The Queen Mary would become known as the stateliest ship afloat. The ship included two pools, nurseries, entertainment venues, and even a small hospital. And when it wasn't transporting passengers across the Atlantic, it was transformed into a wartime vessel to aid in transporting soldiers all around the world during World War II. The ship traveled over 600,000 miles in its career and carried an estimated 2.2 million passengers during peacetime, as well as more than 800,000 military personnel during the war. The vast history and reports of at least 47 deaths on the ship has given way for reports of up to 600 spirits haunting the Queen Mary to this day. I'm Ashton, and welcome to The Haunted Corner. Welcome back to the Haunted Corner. Today I have another spooky historic tale for you. This is the history of the RMS Queen Mary. I absolutely loved researching the ship. I think the history is so fascinating and reading all of the different ghost stories I found had me spooked and I loved it. And I do have a funny story for you about my own experience at the Queen Mary, which I will share with you at the end. So stay tuned. So let's get into it. After World War I ended, the North Atlantic passenger trade was heating up between the European nations and the Cunard Line and its rival cruise liner, White Star Liner, were at the forefront of it. Cunard realized pretty quickly that in order to be able to compete with the newer and faster liners that were coming out of France and Germany, they were going to have to update their current line of ships. Cunard sought out the John Brown and Company shipbuilders to take on the task of building their visionary liners that would be larger and faster than anything that had been seen so far. On December 1st, 1930, the first keel plate was laid for the ship, which was initially known as Job Number 534 in the now famous shipyard in Clydebank, Scotland. Construction continued without any issues for a little while, but this was a very tumultuous economic time and the construction eventually had to be halted due to financial issues. Thousands of shipbuilders were laid off and Cunard was desperate for funds to get things moving again. They ended up begging the British government for assistance with money and the government eventually agreed, but one of the terms of the loan was that Cunard had to ally itself with its rival another struggling liner company, the White Star Line. The two companies eventually agreed to terms and the Cunard White Star Line was formed. It's like when your parents make you work together with your siblings on a project after you guys got in trouble for fighting or something. <laughs> this was enough to get the construction underway again though, so it worked out. 
But as the shipbuilders began getting back to work in April of 1943, there was a disturbing discovery made near the double hole in the bottom sections. Two men who had been working on the ship before the construction had stopped were found dead. They hadn't been seen in several years, and their families assumed that they had committed suicide after losing their jobs at the shipyard. But there was no evidence of suicide, and it's still really unclear what caused their deaths. It is speculated, though, that their deaths may have been caused by a buildup of gases in the area because there was a blowtorch found nearby the bodies. There's another tale that has been told of a welder who was working between the double hole when he was accidentally sealed inside and died. Throughout the ship's construction, the British government kept tabs on the progress with updates delivered directly to the palace every month. It was at this time that the ship was named, and this story really made me laugh. They had initially planned on naming the ship the RMS Queen Victoria. So, it's said that during one of these visits, for an update on the construction, the, queen, the king asked what the new ship would be named, and an agent for the Cunard line said, quote, We're pleased to inform you that Cunard wishes your approval to name our newest and grandest line after England's greatest queen, end quote. To which the king responded, quote, My wife shall be pleased at the compliment, gentlemen, end quote. And that's how she got her name, as the Queen Mary, and not the Queen Victoria. I can just picture that agent's face, like, mm, yep, mm-hmm, Queen Mary, yep, definitely not Victoria. <laughs> On September 26, 1934, the ship was christened by the Queen, and it was launched. It would spend the next nearly two years undergoing the finishing touches to get it ready for sailing, Famous artists were brought in to create murals, sculptures, and other artwork to display throughout the over 1,000-foot-long ship. There were five dining areas and lounges, two cocktail bars and swimming pools, a grand ballroom, elevators, a squash court, and even a small hospital. They served gourmet meals to all passengers. And the Queen Mary set sail for her maiden voyage on May 27, 1936. And she had set a new benchmark in transatlantic travel, which the rich and famous considered as the only civil way, civilized way to travel at that time. The ship hosted such celebrities as Clark Gable, Greta Garbo, and Cary Grant, and even the King of England himself. The one thing they didn't add at the time of construction was handrails, which were said to take away from the aesthetics of the ship but this would prove to be a bad decision on their part. During one of the early voyages, the ship earned her nickname of Ro Rolling Mary because she would roll with the waves and throw passengers around like rag dolls. People ended up getting injured during the process, and a young girl even lost her life. It said that she was sliding down a railing when the ship hit a large wave and caused her to land on the deck really hard and causing her neck to snap. After this, the ship was docked to allow handrails and grips to be placed on stairways, stairways so that they couldn't be used as slides anymore. The Queen Mary and her sister ship, the Queen Elizabeth, sailed for several years without issues. 
the Queen Mary battled with her French rival liner, the Normandy, for the blue ribbon, which was an award for the fastest crossing of the Atlantic by a passenger a passenger ship. The two ships would trade it back and forth for years until it would stay in the possession of the Queen Mary. She was living her best life, you could say. Until September 3rd, 1939, the captain of the Queen Mary received information from Cunard that shook him. The English government, along with France, New Zealand, and Australia, had declared war on Hitler. Little did the captain know, this announcement would change the future of the Queen Mary forever. The next day, on September 4th, 1939, the ship arrived in New York and awaited instructions from the Crown. It wasn't safe for the ship to sail back, sail back to England amidst the tensions with Germany, but eventually the Queen Elizabeth and the Normandy both arrived at the port as well, where they too awaited orders. The Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth were both part of the Royal Navy's auxiliary fleet, so there was always a chance that they could be repurposed as Navy vessels if needed, and they were. The two sister ships underwent a dramatic makeover. They were painted gray, and all of the fine furnishings were removed. Bunk beds were installed for the troops, and the portholes were covered, as well as the installation of anti-aircraft guns on the ship decks for protection. On March 21st, 1940, the Queen Mary left New York Harbor for Sydney, Australia, and a rumor was spread to provide a cover story for the ship, claiming that she was instead going to be heading to Canada to become part of the Canadian Royal Flying Corps training unit. When she arrived in Australia, they installed permanent guns on the deck of the Queen Mary, and they removed every sign of civilian life. Everything was removed from the ship and put into storage. More bunks were installed and, a, and bigger me medical facilities were also created on the ship. The ship's first assignment was to transport 5,500 Australian troops to England to help defend France. In June, the Queen Mary headed to Singapore where she received some engine work as well as the installation of paravanes which were devices that cut the cables of naval mines the ship then returned to Sydney to pick up more troops to transport them to India. This was a frequent route for the ship that year, and during that time, there were also degaussing strips installed. And this is what I found interesting. The strips fed a constant electrical current through the hull, which caused an interruption to the, magne the magnetic fields around the naval mines, so they wouldn't go off when the ships passed over them. And if you don't know what naval mines are, think Finding Nemo in the Shark's Lair. Yes, I'm 12. That's what I had to think of. I didn't, I didn't really <laughs> make the connection until I looked at a picture of naval mines. And I was like, hey, those are from Finding Nemo. Sailing on the Queen Mary during this time was not great. The ship was meant to be traveled on in the cool Atlantic, where there wasn't really a need for air conditioning. So traveling on the ship in the Mediterranean, Indian, and South Pacific seas was kind of, you know, a shock. It was not an ideal situation. It was just a bit muggy. Because of the lack of ventilation throughout the ship, it's believed that many men died from heat stroke during this time, but there are no reports to confirm this. In December of 1941, Pearl Harbor was bombed and the U.S. declared war on Japan, Germany, and Italy. 
the Queen Mary was sent to Boston Harbor, where her troops' capacity was almost doubled to 10,000. In February of 1942, U.S. troops were carried on the ship for the first time. And around this time, the Queen Mary had received her nickname of Grey Ghost, and she, was, she also gained a bounty on her head from Hitler himself, who was not impressed by her speed or size. He knew she posed a threat to Germany, so he put a bounty out for $250,000 for any boat captain who could sink the Queen Mary and her sister ship, the Queen Elizabeth. And this would have been pretty funny to watch. Um, I can just hear the Benny, Benny Hill theme song in my head because the Queen Mary had an average speed of 28 knots, where the average U-boat was only 11 knots. And so it would have been kind of hard for them to catch up to her, let alone sink her. Because of her speed, the Queen Mary had to be put into special convoys with ships that could get close to matching her speed for protection while she was sailing. During one of these trips in 1942, the Queen Mary was traveling in the suggested zigzag pattern while awaiting her convoy. One of the ships in the convoy was the RMS Curaçao, and the ship took position next to the Queen Mary but was sailing closer than normal. As the ships were following the zigzag pattern, the Curacao was unable to get out of the way and was struck and cut in half by the Queen Mary. 338 of the 439 men on board were killed. And it's likely that a lot of the darkness surrounding the ship comes from this event. That's a lot of death in one day. And during her time in the war, the Queen Mary transported German and Italian prisoners of war to American POW camps. And these prisoners were often held in the cargo hold in the front of the ship, which was not the most comfortable sp spot. These conditions were not great. They were very cramped, and the men were often tossed around during the waves. In July of 1943, the Queen Mary set a record that still stands to this day for the most people transported on a ship at one time. She set sail with 15,740 armed troops and 943 crew members for a total of 16,683 people on one ship at one time. The Queen Mary continued to impress throughout the war, transporting Colonel Warden a.k.a. Winston Churchill, many times throughout the war. He was given the nickname of the Colonel Warden for protection, and he even had his own lifeboat on the ship with a machine gun in order for him to avoid capture at any cost. It was on the ship that he planned and launched D-Day, and he would go on to say of the ships, quote, These two ships, these two queens of the sea, have managed to shorten the war by a year single-handedly, end quote. After D-Day, the Queen Mary was tasked with a new job, to bring all of the wounded soldiers home. She was again transformed, having over 1,000 double-tier hospital beds installed, along with a laboratory, new kitchens, and medical staff. Many of the wounded men wouldn't make the trip home due to their injuries. The war came to an end following the suicide of Hitler and the surrender of Germany on March 7, 1945, but the job wasn't over for Queen Mary or Queen Elizabeth. It was now their duty to get the soldiers home, and so they did for several months. 
they were responsible for the repatriation of thousands of soldiers. In January of 1946, the Queen Mary got another makeover. Everything was removed and, and cleaned. The scuff marks and signatures of soldiers who traveled on the ship were buffed out. All of the furnishings were brought out of storage and returned to the ship. The ship's next job would be to reunite European wives with their American husbands. The, so the ship was now equipped with remodeled rooms, special rooms for expectant mothers. The dining halls were reinstalled. They were trying to make it as comfortable as possible for the newest guests on their journey to their new homes. These so-called bride baby cruises would begin in February of 1946 and continue until April. And by that time, it had transported over 12,000 dependents to America. This cycle was then repeated for Canadian dependents with another, another 19,000 brides and their babies being transported home. With her wartime services behind her, the RMS Queen Mary arrived back in Southampton in September of 1946 and was welcomed by the sounds of cheers and clapping and flags, as well as the national anthem being sung. She was a treasure to the country and to the world. People knew what she had done during the war, and they were grateful. And now the Queen Mary could get back to being an elite passenger liner that she was. She was in need of some work, though, and received a complete renovation. Her engine received a much-needed tune-up. Thousands of workers put hours into ensuring that every battle scar was removed and everything was completely restored. The Queen Mary sailed again on July 31st, 1947, and continued its relay between Southampton and New York, along with the Queen Elizabeth. Things did not go as smoothly as Cunard may have initially hoped. A German prisoner of war was a stowaway on one of the trips and made it all the way to New York before being discovered by family. This was an embarrassment for the liner, and things would only continue to go awry. In 1949, the ship snagged a cable and was run aground, which led to repairs. People would come see to see their friends off when they would leave on a, on a trip on the, uh, the Queen Mary. They would pack the ship, even hosting parties while people were trying to board the ship. Like they couldn't even get through the, the passageways in the ship because it was so crowded. People were dancing, getting rowdy. They had to eventually limit it to two people, two pass two people per passenger to come send them off. <laughs> in 1958, Boeing 707 jetliners began regular service across the North Atlantic routes. People were choosing to fly more than to cruise, and this was a tough blow for Cunard. In 1961, the passenger lists were dwindling, and by 1966, it was common for there to be more crew members than passengers on board. In 1967, Captain William Law received word that the Queen Mary would be retired that fall, and her sister ship, the Queen Elizabeth, would be retired the next year. Cunard was trying to figure out what to do with the Queen Mary. There were lots of wild ideas floated around, such as sinking the ship to create a fish, a fish hatchery, welding it together with the Queen Elizabeth to become one large catamaran. The list goes on. But eventually, the city of Long Beach, California, came in with the winning bid at $3.45 million. 
Their plan was to permanently dock the ship and use it as a floating muse museum and a hotel. But getting the ship to Long Beach was another story. What would be the ship's final voyage was not one of luxury. Cunard had tried to convince the city of Long Beach that it wasn't a good idea to have passengers on this final trip, but they were not deterred. On board were 1,040 passengers and 860 crew members. This trip was full of misfortune. The guests were miserable in the heat. They missed port a few times because they could only enter at high tide and they kept missing it. One of the assistant chefs also died from heat exhaustion and was buried at sea. On December 9th, 1967, the Queen Mary arrived in Long Beach and was tied to the dock. Her long days of sailing were finally behind her. The final transformation that the Queen Mary underwent was the one that turned her from an elite cruise liner into a tourist attraction and a hotel. The ship was towed to the Long Beach Naval Shipyard to undergo this transformation. The ship was sanded, sealed, and painted. The engines and boilers were removed. All of the decks below our deck were removed to be replaced with the museum. The second class pool was removed and the first class pool was initially used by hotel guests but was eventually drained because it was a safety violation. The library and music rooms were turned into retail and concession spaces. Rooms were changed to add new amenities for hotel guests. And in May of 1971, she opened as a tourist attraction and the hotel opened in 1972 with 150 rooms available. The ship lost money basically immediately. The business model was not super solid. Hyatt took over hotel operations in 1974, but that didn't help. A man named Jack Rather, who you might know because he owned the Disneyland Hotel at one time, signed a 66-year lease with Long Beach in 1980 and took over running all aspects of the Queen Mary. He built a dome nearby to showcase Howard Hughes' show Spruce Goose. This helped bring attendance to the ship, but it wasn't a long-term fix. Because Rather owned the Disneyland Hotel, and this was something that the Disney Corporation was trying to purchase for a long time, they jumped at the opportunity and made an offer to take over the lease of the Queen Mary. But Disney never really wanted the Queen Mary. They only wanted the Disney Hotel, and this was a way to make that happen. The ship continued to lose money. So Disney had a plan to build a theme park nearby and call it Port Disney. The Queen Mary would be the center of the park, and it would focus on the world's oceans. There was, though, immediate resistance to this project due to environmental concerns and oil regulations, and it never really got off the ground. Disney eventually moved on and gave up the lease in 1992. The hotel and eventually attraction closed later that year, and it's faced many issues since then. The Queen Mary was eventually reopened, and the lease has changed hands many times since then. But in 2017, a report on the ship's condition was issued. The report observed that not only the hull, but also the supports for a raised exhibition, exhibition area within the ship were corroding, and that the ship's deteriorating condition left, it, left areas such as the engine room vulnerable to flooding. 
repair costs were estimated at close to $300 million. In November of 2016, the city of Long Beach had put $23 million towards addressing the vital repairs of the ship. And in August of 2019, a engineer responsible for inspecting Queen Mary issued a report stating that the ship was in the worst condition he had seen in his 25 years on the job. The Queen Mary closed to the public in 2020 due to COVID-19. And in 2021, there was a report calling for $23 million in immediate repairs to prevent the ship from capsizing. Long Beach had considered sinking the 88-year-old ship after taking control of the vessel last year from the previous lease operators. And, but even scuttling or scrapping it could carry a $190 million price tag. Earlier this year, renovation began, and the ship is currently undergoing its million-dollar makeover with hopes of reopening soon. They said by the end of 2022, and it's December now, so we'll see. Now let's get to the ghosts. With the wild history of the Queen Mary, there's no question that she saw many instances of death and darkness. I saw reports of as many as 55 deaths on the ship, but the most widely reported number was 47 deaths. So somewhere in between there. But there are reports from psychics that have claimed that there are up to 600 spirits still roaming the corridors of the ship. Reports of shadow people standing or passing in hallways are popular, as well as reports of balls of lights or orbs. These orbs have been reported in the cargo hold of the ship, flying around the area or appearing stationary as if appearing out of nowhere. There are certain parts of the ship that are more active than others. B-deck is often reported as one of the hot spots for the ship. It's seen its fair share of death and accidents, and it was used as the morgue during World War II. Room B340 is one of the most famous places on the ship as well. It's been featured as the center of many ghost hunts. The origin tale for the ghost story has changed a bit, but it's said that a woman staying in the room reported that she was woken up when the bed covers were pulled off of her and she saw a man standing at the foot of her bed. She screamed and ran, rang for the steward, but the man vanished into thin air like nothing happened. EVPs have also been caught in the room and they are very creepy. <laughs> the Isolation Ward and Royal Theater have been known to host many ghosts as well, including a little girl named Jackie, who's one of the most famous ghosts on the ship. She was first reported to have been seen in 1991 by a man named Peter James. He talked to her for over 10 minutes, and the entire thing was caught on camera. She's said to be very playful and likes to play peekaboo from the balcony, She's been heard calling for her mommy in the pool area. But she's not the only child that's said to be seen on the ship. There are reports of a young boy roaming the hallways as well, and another young girl named Sarah, who's also reported to haunt the ship. There's not a lot known about Sarah, but it's said that she has taken it upon herself to be Jackie's protector, which I thought was sweet. Another ghost set to haunt the ship is one affectionately named Grumpy. 
He got this nickname because it's said that he likes to growl at guests and paranormal investigators alike. John Petter was an 18-year-old man working in the ship in 1966 in the boiler room. One night while on the job, he was crushed in one of the watertight doors, door number 13. And it's said that John likes to haunt the area near door 13 to this day. He's very fond of the ladies, and his favorite activities include stroking women's hair and tickling their ears. Ugh. Women have reported feeling breath on their cheeks and as though they're being touched in that area. The Lady in White is another ghost said to haunt the ship. And every place, every haunted place has a Lady in White or a Lady in Blue or Red or Black or whatever. But in the Queen Salon, which once served as the ship's first class lounge, a beautiful young woman in an elegant white evening gown has often been seen dancing alone in the shadows of the corner of the room. And when you try to approach her, she quickly fades away. Now, Winston Churchill himself has even been known to make an appearance on the ship. He's often heard murmuring where his office once was while the smell of cigar smoke fills the air. And that is the history of the RMS Queen Mary. I am obsessed with this ship. And now, really quickly, I will tell you all the quick story I promised at the beginning. So while I was getting ready for today's episode, I was talking to my mom about the topic. And she said, well, don't you remember when we visited the Queen Mary? Listen, I was shook. Um, no, Queen, I don't remember that. Please tell. <laughs> so she said that, when I was about five years old, we went to California, and it was my mom, my dad, my brother, and I, but my dad didn't go on this tour, okay? They, they host these haunted encounter tours on the Queen Mary, and my mom decided to take my brother and I. Well, I was about five at this time, and she said that during the tour, we were almost asked to leave, because the tour guide kept having to tell me to stop screaming. <laughs> so I guess you could say I've been a spooky queen since day one. And that's that's that. So uh, we are planning an upcoming trip to California in, in the summer. So I'm excited to make a stop at the Queen Mary. I'm hoping it will be open at that time. And I can have an update to this story. Hopefully this time there will be less screaming. <laughs> But if you've visited the Queen Mary and have a story to share, please reach out. I'd absolutely love to hear it. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. The sources for today's episode will be listed in the show notes and also on the blog post for the episode at thehauntedcorner.com. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts with new episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. For exclusive content and access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, please join us over on Patreon. The very first exclusive episode, Cruise Ship Disappearances Part 1, is available now at the $1 per month level on up. And Part 2 for Cruise Ship Disappearances is coming in the next week. If you join at the $5 per month level, you'll have access to an upcoming episode one week early, and you'll get an exclusive The Haunted Corner sticker after donating for three months plus a lot more. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, 
please be sure to tell a friend. If you have a case suggestion or correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. Until next time, please be kind and take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next week. Bye.